Doug and Marty vs. the World is sponsored and paid for by Marty McClendon, Doug Bassler, and EasyTVSpots.com. Round one, go. All right, what a week. What a week we've been having, brother. Uh, we've had snow, we've had freezing rain, we've had colds. And I know who's to blame, brother. You do. It's I'm sure Putin. we're happy to. It's Putin. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we also had hail and windstorms over here in Fox Island as well, brother. So it's, it's definitely it's Putin's fault, right? That's what, you know, we Putin, follow brother. From what Biden says, right? In the administration, it's all Putin's fault. <laughs> well, this is Doug and Marty versus the world. I'm Doug Bassler. And I'm still Marty McClendon. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you on Holy Saturday, brother. It is Easter weekend. I, yeah. I, you know, I love Easter. It's my birthday weekend. You know that, right? Uh-huh. Your, your uh, newly found relationship with Jesus Christ birthday weekend. Yes. Yes. My born yes. again, I got born again on Easter back in 1900 and none of your business. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and actually my daughter's birthday is tomorrow, April uh, 17th. She is the first time that her birthday has fallen on Easter. So since she's been alive, so, uh, you know, Easter moves around, right? It's it like, does. Yeah. Like yep. My, every now and then my actual birthday is on Thanksgiving, right? Cause it, Thanksgiving moves around too. But uh, anyway, happy Easter brother. Thank you. Happy Easter to you too. Of course it's, it's we're today in history. Jesus is in the tomb. The disciples have uh, are at loss. They, you know, their savior, he'd been crucified and buried and they're like, it's dark. But then it comes tomorrow morning and he is risen again. So I can't, I just love this weekend. Love the fact that we're on a Christian network. Love the fact that, you know, obviously this is when so many people in the world, like yourself, start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. So I think in, in these dark times, when we're seeing all this stuff happening in the world over in Ukraine and Russia and uh, China right now, which we'll talk about in a second, um, it's great to know that Jesus paid the price that there is a Sunday coming, you know, and he is risen, which means we can be rising again with him as well, brother. So I just, I'm excited about it, brother. I'm down. I'm down. I'm in. You're up. Let's do this thing. <laughs> I, you know, um, it's exciting to, um, you know, remember that either there's a, there's a, a verse in Revelation where the Lord rebukes the church for leaving their first love. And so one of the things I love about the Easter season is it reminds me of that day, right? When I was mm -hmm. this drugged out, drunk, messed up teenager, basically. And, um, and the Lord saw fit to draw me to himself, to interrupt my life. And I have never looked back, brother, because it's not, you know, this is not a decision you regret. This is a, dis you know, and so you might be, you know, you might listen to the station and go, oh, man. What, what is all this Christian stuff about, man? I remember, remember the ad. I don't even remember what the product was, but they used to go, try it. You'll like it. So just get saved. Try get it. Saved. You'll like <laughs> it. It's wonderful to know the God of all creation and all that. Yeah, without spending too much time on, on that as well, I will say this. I mean, obviously, you were younger. You, you, you had this dramatic, uh, said, okay, Lord, I'm not, I'm not making it where I am. You know, if, if you're real, I receive you as Lord and Savior and so forth. Uh, I was older in life. I always knew of God, always talked about God. 
I was in a place where I was, a, I was empty, empty, and, you know, a, a shell of a person. And then I was realized that what I was missing, right, was, was that relationship with God. So it's just amazing. No matter where you are in life, if you've blown it for 50 years or 30 years or whatever, it's time to turn around today. In fact, right now, right, brother? So Do it now. Don't do wait. Do it now. <laughs> so just do it. See? We're okay. just full of advertising slogans today. Come on. Just do it. Yeah, question for you. So we, you know, I thought the uh, pandemic was done, right? Because you know we're going back to normal, quote unquote, whatever the heck normal is, right? And yet the uh, if you travel on airplanes, it's still required to wear a mask. You know, has that ever been proven to be any, any way sort sort of uh, do any good? You know, what what's the point of that of making people wear a mask still on planes, brother? Any well, ideas? I worked for Jesse James. Uh, I see mask. You know, criminals, right? Yeah, it's conditioning. It worked for Antifa. So I put this in context because we've seen very little coverage. We've seen wall-to-wall coverage of Russia into Ukraine, right? And maybe our guest later, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that as well, about distraction and military and so forth. Um, They served, but are you seeing what's going on in Shanghai? Uh, Where the Chinese communist government, the Chinese government, has locked down a city of 27 million people, right? They've locked them down. They can't even leave their own domicile. There are people literally there starving to death while these images are going out through social media from Chinese citizens, if you will, of these robotic sort of uh, dogs and with loudspeakers patrolling the streets, making sure that you can't leave your house. That is that is scary, brother. You, 27 million people. Uh, th- th- uh, Washington State, 7 million. Multiply. That's like the size of California, the size of Florida, or a little bit bigger. Uh, in one city. In one city. That's just, and the control yeah. a government has over them is... is uh, if if the people actually started to move against them, they would not be stoppable. Yes. And so yeah. that's the whole uh, fear, intimidation, and, uh, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah, we got to pray for China to get free. I, I believe that China is going to get free. There are like a hundred million Christians. There's like way more Christians in China than there are in the United States. Right. China, obviously it's a, you know, billion plus, you know, population. So, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Christians in China and um, they better watch out. They have better watch out. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Three years ago, there was a, uh, it was the national sort of biblical training group. They said that they, they trained up a million Christian pastors in, in China, uh, in a short period of time. That's that right there, exponential growth, you know, as they're on fire for God and just a move. And most of the time in the darkest times is when the, the Holy Spirit can move, right? That they're desperate for that truth and freedom. He so, likes to move when it's dark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get, the, you get yeah. that from Genesis one, you know, there's darkness over the deep, the chaos and, and yep. the spirit of God was moving over the waters, right? He, he exactly. he's doing that. And, um, you know, we don't want to get pessimistic. We need mm-hmm. to be people of faith. We need to be people of optimism. America's best days are not behind her. They're in front of her. We're a great mm-hmm. nation and we're going to, we're going to overcome. And, um, and it's because of people like our listeners that are going to say no. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, what they would train the kids. They used to train the kids. I think it might be changing now 
is if there's a mass shooting or a shooter in your school, you go hide under the desk, right? Or whatever you, you duck and right. cover, you hide, right. you run. Well, I agree. If you can run, run, but if not, you don't duck and cover, you throw books, you run around the room, you, you throw chairs, you attack, right? Because if there's like 30 of you and one of him, it's going to be hard to hit a moving target and mm -hmm. uh, you could overpower him and disarm him. You know, so we, we, we haven't, we've taught people to cower, to, to lock down, to mask up, to vax up and all this stuff. And what we need to teach people is how to fight back and how right. to defend yourself and how to stand up for what's right and how to stand up for freedom. And if you actually read the new Testament, that's Paul, that's Timothy, that's yep. Peter, that's all these guys, right? That's Stephen. They're stoning yep. him. And he's yep. like, forgive him, Lord. Whoa, look, check it out. I see heaven open. You know, I mean, come on. Die with a little in, class, people. Right. Don't in 2 Timothy, where it says, we, yep, we weren't given a spirit of fear, right? Yes. We're given a spirit of sound mind, right? And this, this idea, uh, even scripturally, I think that's why there's such a move from the leftist, the communist, the anti-God movement to separate us from the word of God. That's why we have to dive deeper into it. Two things before we go to our guest. It's really quickly. Good news, brother. Good news. Just on Wednesday, the Texas Health Department came out and says because of the Texas heartbeat bill, 7,935 babies were saved in the last three months. So almost 8,000 babies that they know of averted uh, or did not get an abortion because of a heartbeat bill and are alive today. Hallelujah, brother. That's almost 8,000 new people born in this nation that God has a design for their life. Um, that was saved through positive legislation protecting the unborn. And on the heels of that, on the same day, Oklahoma signed into law banning abortion except in a medical emergency. So the tide is turning, and we're fighting for life, brother. I do think it's really cool when these can, these um, actual legislators that know what the right for the people are fighting and pass bills like this. Uh, and on one funny note, last thing before our guest as well, is Governor Abbott in Texas. Remember last week he was talking about, you know, if Biden's going to put these illegal immigrants into our state uh, in the middle of the night, we're going to move them and bus them to D.C.? Well, he dropped off the first busload of illegal immigrants in D.C. Right in the Capitol, brother. <laughs> I love and it. And now they're saying they're going to go down to Miami and DeSantis is like, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what we need we need fighters like that so which is a perfect segue for our guest today if we take all the the illegal immigrants and we put them in the already blue places then it has no effect right except right. That, except that a lot of them are family god and country people too and mm -hmm. maybe they'll turn the blue states red maybe it'll back i think it's going to all backfire right the lord the lord allows you to you know if you roll a stone it rolls back on you if you dig a pit you fall into it remember trump threatened this to even washington washington became an, a uh, sanctuary state seattle was like um tossing um grenades at trump while he was in office and he threatened to send them to the sanctuary states and they threw a fit because when the problem comes home to roost you know, at your own front yard, then you have to deal with it. And they don't want to. And so in some cases, I think this is brilliant strategy. It's saying, look, you want the problem. You're not seeing it. So now it's your problem. It's a great way of having them address it. So uh, I think I think it's brilliant. And um, and every everywhere we go this year, we're going to win. This is the year of the favor of the Lord, brother. Like it says in Isaiah. This is it. I love it. And, love it. and, and we don't you don't want to miss it. You don't want to sit on the sideline. 
you don't, you want to be involved in this. You want to get into this fight and you want to be part of this victory. And, and frankly, we can't do it without you. So get involved, uh, do it. Speaking of getting involved, mm-hmm. who's our guest today, brother? Our guest is Representative Brad Clipper. Uh, I know that guy yes. personally. But get this, we'll, we'll get him going here. He's also a candidate for Congress over there in the 4th Congressional District as well. I know CD4, we've had a guest yeah. on. Uh, and we want to talk about both. His time in Olympia and how crazy in the battle there. It, uh, the race for Congress and why and what he's going to do and so forth. But Brad is a man of God. Uh, I've known Brad for several years. And, and as, as many times as I've run, I, I know him and his wife have been praying for me. And I, I am so grateful for that that it's always God first, that he's been serving, as we've been calling our listeners to serve, brother, um, to step out in faith. Brad's been doing it. So here's someone we can model after. So Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. My honor, my pleasure to be here with you today. It is our our honor to have you, Brad. So of course, uh, for our listeners, you know across the ACN network, Eastern and Central Washington, parts of Idaho and so forth, uh, serving in the legislature over the last two years, specifically, you've been there a lot longer than that, but 2020 to 2022 has got to be probably some of the uh, most, I wouldn't say interesting, um, but the, the stuff that we even see has been mind-boggling at what the left has tried to pass. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on while you're there the last couple of years? Well, you, you talk about our faith. So let me talk, talk to you about what happened on the floor of the House of Representatives this year. So I've been there, this is my 14th year. And every year that I've been there, we've started everything on the house, floor of the House of Representatives with a prayer and the pledge. And legislators have been allowed to uh, pray every one of those years. And I've prayed multiple times on the floor of the House of Representatives. And I love the Lord uh, so much that sometimes I get pretty excited. So <laughs> they don't choose me all the time, but this year I got a chance to pray. And the Speaker of the House put out rules. And so, I wanted to not offend anyone. I don't ever write prayers. I just always pray from my heart. But this year, I wanted to get it right. And so I wrote out my prayer. And I had a friend in the Benton County Republican Party tell me, Brad, you're leaving me out of your prayers. And I said, well, how am I doing that? He said, well, I'm a Jew. And if you would just pray in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you got me. I said, cool, I can do that. That's easy. So right. in this prayer, this year, I, wrote, I prayed. I closed out my prayer in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that. And then I, so I said, okay, I got the Jews. I've done good. And then I prayed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I thought, okay, I've got the Catholics now. And then I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I thought, okay, I've got the evangelical Christians like myself. I've got everybody. I haven't left anybody out. And that prayer was so offensive to three members of the Democrat Party that the Speaker of the House from that day forward, it's not allowed a single legislator to pray again on the floor of the House of Representatives. So um, we're not just in a physical battle, obviously, here. We are in a spiritual battle in Olympia. When you can't pray in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen, without that offending, with three people in the legislature saying, that so offends me, we're going to stop allowing legislators to pray. So I just encourage each and every one of our listeners to pray for our state legislature, to pray for our nation, because we are indeed involved in a spiritual battle uh, in this state and in this nation. 
I've told Doug for years and we honor listeners as well, that this has been a spiritual battle. It really is. It starts there over our families, over the politics, over our economics, over everything. But it really starts with the spiritual battle. It's goodness, good versus evil, God versus the devil. And we're seeing it more uh, just in your face now. But in the legislature, uh, the people's house, uh, when you're actually banned from actually saying a prayer, that, that just, when you think, we you know the numbers uh, uh, nationwide through Barna, Anywhere, anywhere between six or seven out of 10 people profess to be a Christian. And yet the people that represent them can't pray. We definitely need to make, make sure this is front and center and pray for it. So what, okay. Uh, I know it's frustrating, 18 years in the house. Uh, have you ever seen it this bad spiritually or politically? You know, I, uh, 14 years for me and, yes. um, the thing that breaks my heart is we have a, a prayer and Bible study every Tuesday morning for any, any of the legislators, House or Senate, that want to be a part of that. And and I, I've loved it. I've loved being a part of it, um, except for when it gets very, very politically correct. Like one time uh, there was uh, during the, one of those prayers and Bible studies, I shared with the group that the pro-life um, March for Life was going to be coming uh, this week, and I was so excited, and I shared my excitement um, with uh, that the body of believers in that prayer and Bible study of legislators. And somebody complained to the head legislator that year that, well, what about me? I'm a pro-choice Christian, and Brad's excitement about the pro-life walk um, offends me and, and and hurts me. And so that was brought to my attention, and I and that I'll have to admit that year I said, you know, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I I will uh, study my Bible and read uh, read and pray on my own. Uh, if we're going to get so politically correct that I can't even share my excitement about the pro-life walk. And and then I keep watching. I pray. I go to those prayer and Bible studies with fellow legislators from both sides of the aisle. And I hear them read God's word, uh, talk about Jesus. And then when they go to the house floor, they, per, they vote like they've never read the Bible in their entire life. It's just, it just amazes me and it breaks my heart how you can do that. It, we see this, obviously, some in churches as well, and Christians, where they'll take the verses that apply to their own viewpoint, make it fit to their worldview, versus actually a, adopting or submitting themselves to the Word of God, the whole Word of God. Uh, and so that right there, Doug and I have talked about this. How can you be a pro-choice Christian, and yet there are, you know, so I fully understand that. Of course, I don't want to get you obviously in hot water. This is the battle you're in, in the legislature and at home. Now, there's a lot of issues in in, this, in Olympia this last couple of years around policing reform, around actually the the, the anti-police rhetoric, if you will, on the, on the Democrat left. You being a, a police officer, uh, serving the military as well. You've got this great background, and it's got to also make you go, okay, um, there's a war on those that are conservative, that are uh, law and order types, and so forth. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's, and that's amazing. That was another heartbreaking thing that actually took place mainly last year um, with this new movement that we have in the United States of America. I was in a meeting. I was part of a task force, uh, ranking member on public safety committee for uh, 10 years, and the, one of the people uh, told about a study that was done by a professor at the University of Washington. And they said, well, it's now evident to us that incarceration doesn't work, that their program doesn't work. 
arresting um, drug addicts doesn't work and on and on and on with all the things they said doesn't work. And so I sat there and I remained silent. And, you know, with what you just said, you know, it's a part of my life. The moderator of that committee said, well, Brad, what do you think? And I said, you, you want me to talk? You want me to share the truth about what I think? Yeah, no, what, what do you think? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to give you three choices. You can just pass me or you can say, Brad, we want you to give your politically correct answer. Or you can say, Brad, we really want you to tell the truth. And she said, oh, no, Brad, we want you to tell the truth. What do you think? And I said, well, as a law enforcement officer for over 28 years, incarceration does work. Uh, arresting drug addicts does work. Um, the D.A.R.E. program does work. And I talked about to them about all those things that I see actually work in people's lives. <laughs> and they, they called there were people in that task force who called me a racist for I, they throw verbal rocks at me for about 10 minutes. And that is now for the last two years has been their mantra. If you ever say anything that they disagree with that is pro law enforcement, uh, just be discount on being called a racist. And um, it's, it's just amazing because we tried to adopt a, a child from Haiti who uh, has black skin. And I went to the orphanage. I held him in my hands. Uh, he'd almost starved in the mountains. He was two and a half years old. Simone Galat Julian, loved that young man. And that door never opened while, while I was there with the army to adopt that young man, tried for four years. And I shared the, within that story, I said, I am not a racist. The, the color of a person's skin <laughs> does not matter to me. Oh no, you are, you're a racist. So it's just amazing how that's going nowadays. This this is one when a whole number another subject and a whole another show we can get into. But Doug and I have talked about this too. How the cancel culture and for the for us on the right, where this the left has found that they this works to call people names if they don't want to challenge the narrative. If you don't agree with what we're saying, even though it has no fact in truth, we can call you this to shut down your conversation to shut down any disagreement. That is not open dialogue. That is not fair to the people. And so uh, for them calling you, that is, is only to shut you down. It's not here. It's almost like putting your hands over your ears and saying, and going, la, 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 I don't hear you because we've already made up our mind. It's what we're seeing from the political left now. And so I'm sorry you went through that, but it, part of it is us on the conservative right have to not care what they call us and care more about making the argument, which I know you do. So, okay. you know, and that's it's, it's yeah. so amazing that you say that because you are exactly correct. But it doesn't bother me. That's what people people keep saying. I've heard several people say, "Oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that." And I want to say to them, I'm just trying to be understanding of them and their kindness to me. I'm not sorry that I went through all that. Why am I not sorry? Because I stood up for the truth. And when I stand up for the truth, I don't care if people call me names. You can call me names all day long. And I heard your opening. I just want to strongly encourage your listeners, do not allow them calling you names or whatever to cause you to back down. Stand strong. I, I, Joshua 1, the Bible says, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And when you've done everything you can do to stand, what should we do? Stand. And so I just strongly encourage our listeners today to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid of the truth and be very willing to stand up and fight for truth. No matter what names they call you, do not let that intimidate you. Amen. So I, I want to, you know, I'm so good. And I just want to bring up like um, this homelessness issue. It's, uh, I don't know, is it as bad over there where you're at Tri-Cities area as it is over here? Is this, I mean, is this, 
uh, worse over here. Olympia, you've been there. It's Olympia's like completely homeless town, right? It's Hooverville. But um, is is there a, what are the solutions? You know, from a law enforcement perspective, uh, from a state legislative perspective, what are the solutions to this this absolute explosion in homelessness and and the crime and and all the other problems that it's causing? To me, it's it, it's very very simple. That was one of the things that in that same task force I got to call the racist for because I talked about uh, that documentary um, that was put on by Como News. Seattle is dying, and I referenced that. And uh, old people, I got called a racist that day too. For several minutes, people called me a racist. So I got on the phone and I called, I was directed by one downtown major store owner. If I were to mention them, you'd know exactly what I was talking about. Said, Brad, call the CEO of the Downtown Seattle Association. So I did, and I asked him that question. I said, what's the, he said, Brad, in the last year, 189 businesses 189 businesses in downtown Seattle have closed their doors forever. And I said, what is the solution? And he said, it's simple. Get these drug addicted, homeless people off our streets. And we both agreed that if we would simply empower law enforcement, we could get that done in two weeks by holding people responsible and accountable uh, for the actions they're taking. The state versus Blake decision where uh, Ms. Blake had methamphetamine in her pocket. It was found after she was arrested. And she said, when they questioned her, oh, that's not my meth. Uh, my, my roommate gave me those pants. She bought them at a secondhand store or, or some type of yard sale or something. And she gave me these pants. So it was just in the pants when she gave them to me. That's not my meth. Well. The state um, Supreme Court bought that, and it's called the State versus Blake decision. And so they made possession of very, very dangerous illegal drugs uh, now legal. And we are not doing those people any favors whatsoever. Let me go to this year's Governor's Prayer Breakfast. The keynote speaker was the COO or CEO of the Yakima Union Gospel Mission. And he shared with all of us that day, he said, when I of all the people that I've helped save from drug addiction and homelessness through the Yakima's Union Gospel Mission, when I asked them, what saved you? What saved your life? He said, I always get the same answer. Number one, God. And number two, being arrested by a police officer. And he actually said, it's actually a 1A, 1B, because God allows those police officers to do his work and to save those people from addiction and homelessness and the cycle they can't get themselves out of. So when law enforcement arrests them and takes them to jail, they get to use the shower, they get clean clothes, they get medical care, they get three hot meals, and they can get away from that addiction. So it's to me, it's a simple answer, a simple solution. We can fix this by empowering our law enforcement and helping these people by holding them accountable for the hopeless situations they're involved in through drug addiction. And then uh, we, amen. of course we have the, the no pursuit without, yeah. um, you know, what is it? Um, it's gone from probable cause to something else. Um, yeah. Well, reasonable suspicion is what we want to use. It's, it's, uh, it's similar to the Terry stop decision. Uh, State v. Terry, uh, was a, a, a court decision and allows us to, when we have reasonable suspicion to stop someone, if, uh, hey, um, we see somebody uh, 
like for me, it was, I was a law enforcement officer in Pierce County at the time. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm on an old country road and here's three teenagers. No, yeah, three teenagers, two teenagers. I can't remember how many. They were pushing a white Honda Accord on a country road. And then when I pulled behind them in my patrol car, oh, they got in the car and now the car starts and it runs. And they're driving down the road with the lights uh, not turned on. And I said, this is a clue. So I pulled them over and they said, oh yeah, we were staying at this girl's house and they gave us permission to drive the car. I said, okay, let's go back to that place. We went back there and sure enough, they had did not have permission to steal that car. Now today, um, if they took off on, on me, unless I had probable cause to believe that that car has been stolen and they had stolen it, um, then I can't pursue them. And it's just, it's crazy. Now they can very, very simply get in that car, steal it and not be held accountable and responsible for their actions. And now someone loses their car. And if that's a mother of three chick kids, a single mom, and all she's got is liability insurance, no theft insurance, no comprehensive, anything like that. What's that mom going to do tomorrow to get her kids to school? To get well, herself. What's to it work. doing to our? What's it doing to our insurance too? Right. right. I mean, come right. on. Exactly. Right. Exactly. With record levels of thefts and property crime and car thefts and so forth. All right, Brad. Be, um, we want to get to your. You threw your hat in the ring for Congress. After 14 years, as you said, in the state legislature. Um, why now? And uh, what are you going to do? Talk about it. You know, so several years ago, Doc Hastings, who was the incumbent for that seat, announced that he was not going to run for re-election. I think a total of eight, maybe eight Republicans or eight total people were running at that time. As I was driving home from Olympia, serving Olympia, I prayed, God, should I put my hat in the ring at that time? And I felt that I wanted to, but I wanted it to be from him. So I prayed all the way home, a four and a half hour drive. I was so overcome by the Holy Spirit that when I got home into the driveway, I could hardly stand up. And I, But I wanted it to make sure that it was from him and it wasn't from me. So I laid out a fleece to this day. I don't know if that was a wrong move on my part, because it's very possible that the Holy Spirit gave me my answer. And then I was a wimp and laid out a fleece. I said 76 people um, without me asking them who said, who will say, Brad, if, if you run, I'll back you hundred percent. I only got one. So I figured the timing wasn't right. But this year when the incumbent um, voted to impeach Donald Trump after all the wonderful things that he did for this nation, making us the world's leading energy producer, energy dependent, record numbers of people back to work, uh, moved our consulate to Jerusalem, just incredible things that the incumbent voted to impeach Donald Trump. That's when I said, nope, can't put up with that. And the Holy Spirit said now. And so that's why I'm here running for Congress, fourth congressional district. Now, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about your background. For for our listeners that may not know you, tell them, you know, why uh, you're back. Just explain who you are, Brad, and why you're perfect for this position. Well, I don't know if I'm perfect for anything, <laughs> but I know that, that I am a sinner saved by grace. And as I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, he can perfect me. And that's what my prayer every day. Lord, help me to be the man you created me to be to be the man you want me to be. Help me by the power of your Holy Spirit to be the best man I can be. So he could uh, make me the best man for that job. And that's why I'm allowing him to work through me. Um, 14 years in the legislature, uh, elected seven terms to this position, 34 years as uh, a military leader, 
uh, left the military, retired the last day of January this year. I was retired, hitting a mandatory retirement date due to age, and left as, uh, with the rank of colonel and the commander of the Washington State Guard. 20, over 28 years as a law enforcement officer, started my law enforcement career in Pierce County, where I was awarded the Medal of Valor, and, and I've worked for Benton County for over 22 years as a law enforcement officer, and, uh, and uh, got to be a school resource officer for about 20 years of that time. And it's amazing. I was on a, another uh, talk show a, a while ago, a couple, a few days ago, and I got to share with them on a secular station how I can use law enforcement to, to actually love on people, uh, to tell kids that I love them. And I remember a guy was trying to commit suicide uh, with a rock one day. And when, uh, when the opportunity came, I just sh shared with him, do you know that there's a God who created you and loves you and has an incredible plan for your life? And his whole demeanor changed when he saw, heard hope. So, uh, and then, you know, 14 years of success. And if you're going to invest in a company or you want a quarterback to lead your team to the uh, world championship, you want somebody with a winning performance record. And of all the candidates um, who are running for that position this year, I have a winning, I'm the only, the incumbent and I are the only two uh, of those running for this office who actually have elected experience. And Brad Clippert has 14 years of, of recorded success doing a great job at that. You know, many uh, different associations have named me legislator of the year. So those could be some reasons why. I love the fact that you're an underachiever, you know, not, not that being a cop and a, and a colonel and, and legislature all at the same time, but also the fact in Washington state of that much time, you probably really know the issues of the fourth congressional district. So they're different than all of Washington, right? They're specific. You talked about a little bit off the air. Talk about that. Well, you know, it's, they are specific. Um, the largest uh, portion of the fourth congressional district in terms of geo geographic ter territory is agricultural. And I was born and raised um, on my dad. My dad had uh, three farms and then I was playing uh, college football at Evangel College in Springfield, Missouri. Wanted to play it at a full gospel uh, school. So I was there and uh, my relatives called me and said, hey, we got 240 new irrigated acres and we want you to come home and farm with us. And uh, I did that. And so I got to farm with my relatives in the Sunnyside uh, Washington area. I worked up in the wheat country in Bickleton, changing hand lines and wheat country. So I've got the experience uh, in terms of agriculture, but, uh, and I've lived in the fourth congressional district the vast majority of my life. So there are very specific things, but just as, as a legislator, uh, even though I served the eighth legislative district, I listen to people from all over the state. So if there's somebody who does not live in my congressional district, who asked me to help them with their issue, um, even if they're not one of my um, in, uh, people who have voted for me in my legislative district, I still help them. And the same would be true as a congressman. If someone called me and they have an issue that's not in my congressional district, I would be a U.S. congressman open to serving each and every person who calls me for assistance. So once you get elected, let's say God willing, that's, and that's his plan, um, what do you want to work on? Everybody's got a, a, sort of their top three things. What do you want to work on when you get there? You know, election security is huge. We need to be, our citizens need to know that when they go to vote, that they can count on the fact that their vote is secure and the entire election process is secure. I think there's 
I think millions of Americans across the United States of America do not believe that the 2020 elections were secure. So we need to get that fixed. Um, in the fourth uh, congressional district, we have a water problem. Um, we were approved by Congress way back in the late 30s, early 40s for the Columbia Basin Irrigation Project. And we feed the world in the fourth congressional district. So we need to get that irrigation uh, problem fixed. And a lot of my um, farmers say that they have labor problems. And it's very uh, <laughs> interesting that since Joe Biden has sit, sat in the Oval Office, um, we've got inflation that is out of control and people don't want to work. There are, I see help wanted ads like I've never seen before in the fourth congressional district. And they can't get people to come to work because Joe Biden and his administration is just printing money and, and paying people to stay home and causing inflation to just skyrocket and causing China to pay to have a cargo container sent empty from the United States back to China so they can send all those products that they make in China to those people who are sitting at home and spending the money that Joe Biden gives them to do nothing. And so we need to get stuff like that fixed. A hundred percent. Now talk about this for a second. We've seen inflation, not only uh, gas prices go through the roof over a dollar a gallon more than it was a year ago. Uh, food prices, you know, meat and poultry and, and, and uh, substances that are going through the roof for, for every uh, citizen out there, it struggles, right? Especially those on a fixed income, this really affects them. And we know the White House and the administration talked about transitory, it's not transitory, so forth. These are policies they put in place that have driven the price of everything up. Uh, obviously we want the majority back in 2022 between you and Doug and everybody else that gets there. We've got to rein in this administration and change some things. Um, is there something that, you know, obviously people want answers. They want the pinch on their budget and to be able to get to access to food. There's something we can do. You said we feed the world, right? Absolutely. And what we need to do is we need to use the resources we have right here in the United States of America. Biden's solution to our energy problems. Oh, let's ask, um, maybe we can get some oil from Iran or Maybe we can talk to Venezuela. Are you kidding me? We have, we were the world's energy leader just a few months ago when Donald Trump was our, our, our uh, president. And so start using our own resources. And our government is not what has made America the greatest nation in the world. It's the people of the United States of America who has made uh, America the greatest nation in the world. Hard working people who have worked in our industries, in our farms, uh, and all of our entrepreneurs, and our free market, our free enterprise. That's what has made America great. And if we can get back to that, which we can get back to that, we will get back to that, that America will experience the greatness that we've known in the past and, and the best years are yet to come. You mentioned something, I don't, I don't wanna get, obviously this is one of those tough issues, when you're dealing with an agricultural, mostly area, yet you're representing the entire state and the nation as a congressperson, as someone elected, um, we have a huge immigration problem, a legal immigration problem, an open border where fentanyl's um, flowing over the border, uh, criminals, drug trafficking, human trafficking, all kinds of issues that needs to be addressed. On the other hand of that, we have a worker problem where we need guest workers for a lot of these farm jobs. Uh, what's the best way to navigate that if you can, if you have the majority? 
I agree and disagree with you. Number one, <laughs> to answer your question directly, is we have to close. We had close those borders, secure those borders, complete the wall, um, protect U.S. sovereignty and and the United States of America's national security. We we would. Um, recognize legal immigration, but no longer will we allow illegal immigration. If you come here illegally, plan on leaving because um, we're going to uh, make you leave. We're not going to allow you to stay if you come to this nation illegally. And, and then the other thing is we do need those workers. So we need to perfect the H-2A program so that people mm -hmm. can come here, work legally, uh, for a season and then go home. One of the problems we have in, the United States, in Washington State is now that the Washington State Legislature said that if if someone um, works uh, overtime in agriculture, which there didn't used to be that, you have to pay them um, overtime. And so we got to get rid of that nonsense because neither the worker nor the farmer wants that because the worker comes here, they want to work a ton of hours so they can make a ton of money, send it back home and take it back home with them when they re return home. But when we now force farmers to pay them overtime, they can only work them 40 hours a week. And now the, the worker's not happy, the farmer's not happy, and it's just, it's broken. And then the other thing that I recall when I was a kid growing up on Sunnyside, you got up in the morning, you went out and you cut asparagus in the morning, you went to school, played sports, and after that, you cut asparagus in the evening. You pick cherries and apples and pears in the summertime, take, make money to buy your school clothes or to pay your, buy a car, whatever it was. That's not happening anymore, and we need to fix that system too because we've got a lot of kids out there that we can help keep out of trouble if we just allow them to go back to work and work like I did when I was a kid because then at the end of the day, you're dog tired. And all you want to do is go home and go to bed and get some sleep because you worked hard all day. Absolutely. And you go get in trouble that way when you're so busy doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Amen. So your background as a colonel, retired colonel now uh, from the, the, in the Guard, uh, in Congress, we saw this debacle of the withdrawal in Afghanistan where American citizens were left behind, 13 American soldiers were killed. Um, we have this, this woke sort of military movement as well. Uh, what can we do? Because your background, you have uh, expertise in that area. Um, from a Congress level, what do you do for the military? Or well, I would love to be on the Congress's um, House Armed Services Committee, and um, it just has to change. Yes. We must <laughs> once again train our military personnel to be warriors, not spend all this time uh, training them to be woke. And I actually sat down with a very respectable, very successful uh, business leader in this community uh, for a bite to eat the other day. His daughter is in the Navy. And when I asked him the same question, he re uh, retired from the Navy very high in rank. And even his daughter today agrees that we've got to get back to training our soldiers to be warriors and quit wasting time training them to be woke. Uh, I my personal, if I have the power to do so, when I get to uh, Washington D.C., I want to subpoena General Milley and everyone who sat around that table the day that they decided to pull out of Afghanistan the way they did, and I want to hold those responsible for that action accountable for their actions. General Milley has to go. He is destroying this nation's military, and we need to get to a strong leader leading our Joint uh, Services Committee, and we need to get a strong leader leading our military and get back to training our 
military personnel to be warriors once again and to earn this respect of the world that we had before. I couldn't agree more. What do you think, Doug? Not sure if you got the pronoun right. <laughs> Just uh, saying, brother. Um, so um, that is uh, so important, right? Military is supposed to protect the country. That's their job. And we have the same problem right now that you're describing the military in the public education arena. And this, this idea that we need to federalize everything. So they want to federalize elections. You mentioned earlier about needing to um, restore integrity to our elections and they want to federalize schools and federalize everything. And so this is really the, the exact opposite, right, of what the Founding Fathers wanted. Wasn't the Founding Fathers more about local control? Absolutely, positively correct. And when those 13 straight states who signed, uh, A, the Declaration of Independence, and then our Constitution, that was the biggest battle. Those states who were hesitant on signing on to make us the United States of America, is they were most afraid that they would lose their state powers. And the, were, they were convinced by the Federalist Papers that that would not happen, that the government, which has three branches, the legislative, executive, and judicial branches, which checks and balances in every branch, would keep that from happening. And so you're exactly correct. Education is the job of the state. And I most recently argued that it should be down to the local level, to school boards and school districts. And uh, so uh, it's not a federal issue. And elections is once again also a state uh, right and a state issue and should not be federalized. Isn't that along the lines, though, of China, Doug, where China is about centralized power, all communism, um, all, all socialism? The left, whatever, yeah, all yeah, the left yeah. stuff, centralized power, top down. Yeah. We tell you what to do. And America is a it was built on personal autonomy. We needed the least amount of government possible uh, to have law and order, to have, you know, not have chaos and and the most personal autonomy possible. Right, Brad? Exactly correct. You know, if you read the Washington State Constitution, because, you know, I am currently a state legislator, it says in Article 1, Section 1 of the Washington State Constitution that the purpose of government is to protect individual rights. I'll read, all political power is inherent in the people and governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed and are established to protect and maintain individual rights. And of course, if you go to the US Constitution, when you read the preamble, it says, we the people of the United States of America. So you're exactly correct. Decentralized power, power to the people. And balanced, you know, balanced out. We have the the separation of powers for a reason. Uh, it's one of the things that we saw in real time uh, over the last couple of years with the ongoing, never, never rescinded state of emergency here in Washington. Absolutely, positively correct. And multiple bills were put forward by Republicans. I had one out there that would uh, take away the governor's emergency powers after 30 days, if not approved by the legislature. Another member of the House 
uh, Republican caucus had one for 14 days. Most recently, one was put forward by a House Republican caucus member that uh, only allowed the governor's powers for 90 days. And this year, it would think it was Senate Bill 5909, where the Democrats put forward a bill and it passed in the Senate to uh, take back the governor's emergency powers. It's not approved after 90 days by the legislature. And we were deliberating that bill on the House floor. House Republicans were offering amendments to simply make it stronger to protect those individual rights from a tyrant governor. And the Speaker of the House stopped deliberations on that bill and never brought it up again. So she killed that bill in the House this year. So um, how Republicans and now even this year, Democrats have taken steps to re, uh, reduce the governor's emergency powers to no avail. So how important then is it for us to make sure that Republicans take control of both the Senate and the House? You know, not just Republicans, but I would say conservative Republicans. Thank you. Um, yep. And there are some um, who don't have all that conservative of values and, and will vote, vote moderately. Um, and so I, I would say not only uh, just Republicans just simply have an R behind your name, but I encourage the listeners of this show today to learn the facts, study your voter's guide, um, ask the important questions and vote for conservative Republicans uh, this year. And that's the point of the primary, right? Let's, let's, you know, whittle this down to the right guys. So um, I, I very uh, excited, Brad, to, to, that you're, you're taking this step. You're, you're out there, you're, you're going for it. And um, you know, you're being uh, the salt and light. Amen. <laughs> so you're, you're trying to bring that, that, uh, that, that witness to it. And um, so this idea, again, I want to come back to your law enforcement background, but this idea that we need to indoctrinate the children about gender identity, about uh, different types of um, sexual preferences and things like that, and down really as young as like kindergarten and preschool. And, um, you know, is that would that have been tolerated even just a few years ago by a law enforcement person? You know, it would be have been tolerated by the parents. I went to a, a symposium this year in August uh, to uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they were the the topic was election security. But however, one of the um, experts who spoke at that symposium said, "In all of my research, in all of my research on this topic, the one." truth that I believe I have found is our nation is going to be turned around and saved by super moms, moms who have children and they protect them like mother bears and try to teach them this garbage in our schools, critical race theory, um, the, the sex education garbage to, to five and six year old children. I had a principal the other day who was brokenhearted in a secular school system. Tell me, Brad, we have, kids five and six years old in school on their phones surfing pornography and so i just encourage the super moms who are listening today not just law enforcement but stand up go to your school board meetings and say this is unacceptable we are not going to tolerate it you will change your public policy for this school district 
or we will find somebody else who will. So mother uh, bears out there who you super moms who know how to protect your kids, to protect your homes, uh, stand up, rise up, fight back and do not tolerate this. And we will be right there side by side with you. I've I fought for it in the state legislature. I'm going to try to fight for it in Congress. And uh, but uh, know that you have someone by your side. But citizens of the United States of America, it's time to rise up and say we will not allow our nation to be pulled down into the toilet with your dogma and the garbage you're teaching our children. Yep, and don't stop there. Even in our state, this uh, superintendent of public instruction, Chris Reichdahl, is is one of the purveyors of this, championing this. We need to make sure that these people are identified uh, for what their leanings are or what their uh, predilection is to force this stuff onto our kids. That's the silver lining for the pandemic is parents for the first time saw what's being taught to their kids, what's being pushed upon their kids. I know you were in that battle fighting against this stuff being implemented, the, the comprehensive sex education and so forth. But we're seeing this as pervasive nationwide. I saw a program the other day that were talking about this. When you take down a nation from, from the communist left to America, you know, first you remove God. We saw a removal of God from schools in the 50s and through Supreme Court law. Then you, then you have these ideas. You've got to separate the child from the parent. And so what we have all this now is all this teaching where don't tell your parents. You can, the parents are, are ideologues or Christian. They don't know. It's, it sounds racist. like the devil, right? They're trying yeah. to hold back. Your, your yeah. parents are, you know, it's like when the devil comes to Eve and says, oh, yeah, you know, God's holding back something from you, right? Exactly it's that right. same thing. It's the same lying devil. Anyway, go on, go on brother. No, exactly that. So what we've seen is this move where they've got to take over the children and separate them from the parent. We've seen an uptick of that during the last several years where the separation, where they don't have to get permission. They don't have to notify parents for abortion. They have to notify parents for a, a sex change, where they have these radical leftists and transgender, LGBTQI um, sort of advocates, if you will, not just advocates, but um, people that get into education for the purpose of grooming our kids. So thank God there's warriors. But now, like you said, these, these moms are going, oh no, what has happened? How long has this been going on? You will not do this, but we've got to make sure that this is all rooted out. This is evil that has been implemented over time. And so over time, we've got to root out every part of that, that they're not grooming our kids like Disney or whatever it is. And they're actually only, only, allowed to educate our kids on things that we choose. That's why we have to stay engaged. I think many, many ways, well, conservatives are guilty as well of not paying attention, of allowing or trusting the government to educate our kids. Well, I definitely canceled my Disney Plus since that came out, brother. So I hope you did yeah. that too. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I did want to go to Disneyland because Star Wars and all that, but now I'm not going to go. Um, but we've, we've got to, we've got to be willing to stand up, to fight, to, to be heard, to say uh, what needs to be said. And, you know, I agree with you, Brad, that we've got to, uh, we need our moms to step it up. And um, I, I watched this uh, movie uh, the other night called Belfast, and I think it was up for an Academy Award and stuff, but the mom there's this looting thing going on and she takes her little boy and she takes him down to the store to make him put it back in the middle of a riot. And I'm like, yeah, that's a that's mom it. for you that's right, right there. there. <laughs> and uh, so we really want to uh, encourage that, 
And uh, God bless you for everything you've done down at Olympia, Brad. We just appreciate you so much. And uh, we know it's tough. It's tough to be in the minority, man. So uh, now hopefully we can uh, win back to Congress, the Senate, uh, the state represent the state house, the state Senate as well. So God bless you. We do wish you absolutely hey Brad, the best of luck. How do people help you out? Where do they go? Uh, Clippert, K-L-I-P-P-E-R-T. I say again, over. Clippert, K-L-I, two P's as in Paul, E-R-T as in Tom, for F-O-R congress.net. You can find out everything you want to know about uh, Brad Clippert there. You can contribute there if you choose to. They say I need to raise $5 million to beat the incumbent, so would uh, accept all the help you want to offer. And I just uh, thank you for the time and encourage you, if you're listening today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a God out there who loves you. And we talked about the Supermoms. Gentlemen, it's time for you to stand up and fight. We're the men. We're the courageous men. And um, just we got we got hope. And if you ever need some, some of that hope, never be afraid to keep, reach out to my office in Olympia. We'll offer hope to you and help you out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, that's it for another day. Don't forget you can contact us. Listen to past episodes at DougAndMarty.com. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody that contacts us through that. You can also tell your smart speaker, hey, Siri, play Doug and Marty versus the world. And lo and behold, it'll happen. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. God bless. And hey, he's risen, brother. He's risen indeed.